0: Welcome to the new chemists podcast we are so glad you are listening feel free to subscribe on spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast <laughs>
1: Our Deepest Fear By Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us liberates others. Fair by Marion Williams. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is Significant.
0: Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative.
2: Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Usted
3: escuchando es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo é significativo.
4: Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό.
5: Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. Je bent erg belangrijk vooral voor ons hier bij The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert is veel betekenend.
1: You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast.
2: Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico.
4: Calos, irfa de podcast, New to the, podcast the New Chemist.
5: Welcome by the podcast of The New Chemist.
0: Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste.
3: Bien-vindo au podcast du Novo químico.
1: Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it.
3: Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista.
4: Βλέψε σκληρά. Να οδηγείτε στην αξία. Μπορείς να το Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσεί και η κοινότητά σα. Μην τα παρατά. Είμαστε εδώ για να σα ζητωκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατά.
2: (si) Trabaja duro. Sea impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas, estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas.
5: Work hard. Wees waarde gedreven.
1: research and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Okay, welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. It is so good to have you listening today. Here on the New Chemist Podcast, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community research, successful student stories, and much more. My guest today is Samar Bahaj. Thanks for joining me today. It is so good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. So Samar is currently... A student at Harvard University. A very, very ambitious young man, very hardworking. So I'll just give you some quick snippets, some snapshots of his work so far. He has a part of Phi Beta Kappa, National Student Leadership Foundation scholar, editor in chief of synthesis, president of World Pre-Health Conference, student academic integrity fellow, Harvard College on a council. Um, he has served as a uh, former chair, The Kennedy School Institute of Politics Health Policy Initiative, a John Harvard Scholar. He also served, so some of his experiences include serving as a research and policy intern at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. He's also served as a Washington, D.C. reporter for STAT, a teaching fellow and research fellow at Stanford, um, a founder and host of Dat Medic Network, and a research fellow at Mass General hospital he is definitely very accomplished he has been named 40 under 40 in cancer um he's also been named he also is or has served as a journalist in the atlantic time magazine washington post guardian npr he's been a lead author and work in the new england journal of medicine the lancet nature medicine and the british medical journal wow so yes samar is definitely a treat to have you on this podcast is that you have done a lot of work and you've you, you earned your stripes. Are you you're earning? Let me say that. You're earning your stripes. So thank you again for joining me. So as we get started, um, what have been your longstanding interest in the field of science and communication?
6: Yeah. No, thanks, David, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I've been interested in science and medicine for the longest time ever since I was nine. Uh, really, and sort of interested in healthcare, health equity specifically, and sort of uh, this notion of medicine as treating everyone um, equally because um, it's the patient in front of you. Of course, the reality of medicine is much more complicated and nuanced, and uh, that came with time. Um, but I think it's uh, it's reinforced in me uh, a couple things. One is that um, there is sort of the power of medicine to heal, right? I mean, that is essentially the, the function, and it's it's a beautiful function. I don't think there's many. Uh, professions where you have that opportunity to serve your fellow human being, fellow man, and fellow woman, in that in that way. Um, and second, it, it sort of um, emphasizes to me the rift between science and the public. I think um, as researchers, both of us, we we know very well how to communicate to other researchers. Uh, we we do that. We do that through journal articles. We do that through conferences. And 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 we can get very good at that. But I think what's more challenging, but potentially more important is communicating with patients, communicating with the lay public. And that's sort of where my interest in science communication came in. I started off doing research, started off doing research since about 2018, 2019, um, and then growing increasingly interested in how can I make this research more translatable, more actionable for the public. And I think that sort of uh, started my interest in journalism, um, and which I started only last year in uh, summer 2022.
1: Are you serious? You started this last year and you've done, made all the strides? So I look, forward yeah, to yeah. Seeing, I look forward to seeing your journey as you progress. So what has been the toolkit that you've used?
6: Yeah, no, I, I think it's an important question. I think it comes down to a, a couple of things. One is that um, if you're going to write for the public, if you're going to write for sort of this science journalism uh, places, Um, you want to think about, have an eye for important questions, right? You Mm want to be able mm -hmm. to see sort of what are questions that matter to people? What are they? What do people care about? What do they want to know about? I'll give you an example. Over the summer, I wrote a piece on malaria. Um, Malaria in Florida and Texas. There was these recent five cases of locally transmitted malaria across Mm -hmm. the states. And it was something people were worried about, right? Um, So the piece I wrote was a simple explainer, trying to understand what this means, uh, why people shouldn't necessarily worry, but what precautions they could take. And it was, I mean, I mean, enormously well read, right? Because it spoke to what people cared about, what, what mattered to them, right? So you, right. one thing is you want to make sure that you have an eye for important questions and you're able to write about it in a way that's clear and compelling. That's the second thing, right? Being able to write about it in a way that's clear and compelling because you can write about the greatest idea, but if it's not, if it doesn't mean much to the average person, right? Then it's, it's no good to anyone. Um, so all that is to say is I think those are two really important toolkits, right? Eye for important questions. Writing about it, writing about things in a clear and compelling way. I think there's also just grit that comes as the third part. Of course, of right? course. Because none of, I said I started in Summer Training too. Um, I started off um, doing freelance journals. Why did I do freelance? Because every journalism internship I applied for rejected me. Um, so I, freelance was the last resort, right? I'm um, mm-hmm. doing it on my own. Um And I meant that I was sending in over that one summer. I was sending probably 500 to 1,000 cold emails, right, to different editors, trying to get them to listen to what I had to say, get them to wow. give me a chance, right? That's very um, good. Dude. So I think it it takes that sort of willingness to push forward through rejection after rejection, after mm-hmm. no response, after no response, because you only need one yes, and then one becomes two, and two and three, and so on.
1: Yeah, I agree. You need to get your foot in the door. That's very, that's very commendable, dude. So over 500, you said 500 to 1,000 cold emails? Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that's interesting, dude. Cause I wouldn't say I sent like 500 to 1,000 cold emails, but that same approach to being very tenacious. I applied, I employed the same thing. When I was at Georgia Tech and I tried to get a research position, um, mm-hmm. given that I was new to Georgia Tech, um, as well as in other places as well, but specifically in Georgia Tech, this is where I employed that same thing. At Georgia Tech, I sent emails to professors. and Dude, I was really passionate, really, really passionate about the research. I mean, like, I would read their papers, and then start right. telling them what I think they could do, all the possibilities and future potentials associated with their cancer research, anonymous research, and all that other jazz. But this is the thing, you know, didn't really get that many positions. Didn't get any positions actually initially. However, the one position I got made the world of a difference because it allowed me to integrate and also. Meet with faculty who I otherwise would not have met through the summer undergraduate research experience in the College of Engineering. So yeah, dude, that's very commendable. So how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? You speak about Mm -hmm. having, uh, to be tenacious, push past rejection. What, how did you, what motivating factor was in your mind? Did you have a community of support or did you have a lot of mentors who just reminded you? this thing happens. How did you push through that rejection and keep uh, inside the big picture that allowed you to progress to where you are now?
6: Right. I mean, it goes to the core of why I do journalism, right? And mm. I think it comes down to two factors, the big and the small, to put okay. it in. Right? Um, the small is the patient, right? The patient in front of you, right? The mm-hmm. one-to-one interactions you have, right? And sort of the tragic stories you hear, but also the hope that you hear, right? Um, I spoke to a patient this summer who... Um, Travels five and a half hours one way to get to her doctor's appointment, right? So 11 hours round trip, right? And she lives in this incredibly rural community, um, in Colorado. And it's, it's so inspiring to hear that, but also so tragic. And it it reinforces the rural disparities. It Uh reinforces this patient has obesity and she was going to see her obesity medicine physician. Reinforces how valuable sort of medical care is for these patients, right? Um, and it, that's what motivates me, right? To push past rejection. That I have this story in front of me. I have this patient who has trusted me with their narrative. Something that frankly is, is not easy to share, right? And I feel, I feel not only in sort of a responsibility to justify their uh, narrative, but also to push past. I, how can I give up when I'm carrying such a valuable piece of someone's life? So I think that's, that's a small, and I don't mean that in that it's small important. I mean that it's in the, it's a one-to-one relationship. Um, then the big is sort of what is the cultural implication? What is the purpose of this? So on this story, this story was on the shortage of obesity medicine physicians in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the big picture? The big picture is that we do a terrible job of treating obesity in the United States. Mm -hmm. Only 1% of patients get a medication treatment. Mm -hmm. um, And we just simply do not treat it as a disease. We think of obesity as a moral failing, wrongly so. Um, So it ultimately becomes like if we have such a drastic misunderstanding, this is such a big problem, right? Mm -hmm. 50% of Americans will have obesity by 2030. So the big picture is that I have to, I have to be doing something to set the narrative in a more positive, productive, less stigmatizing direction. Mm -hmm. So I'm motivated by that too, right? I think it's sort of these dueling factors, not dueling, complementary, that keep me motivated, even when you hear rejection after rejection, because Mm -hmm. there's a patient on the other hand, and there is a social ill that um again not many people are paying attention to so i think that's what motivates me when um when it was quite easy to just step aside and give up
1: well wow, that's very good man it's very good so you the value in the story as well as the benefit of you pursuing the story is basically what kept you going after you push even when you experienced rejection so that's very good so how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science communication so what when you write your articles? Is it your perspective that you think is complementing to you being creative, or how how is it in the approach to the information? What is it you bring to the table that allows you to have such success that you the success that you've had to date? Was it yeah. your creativity? What is it
6: that's uh, driving it? I mean, I think it's a, a couple of things. <laughs> I appreciate sort of you calling it success. I mean, the, the, it's all uh, that I appreciate that. Um, but it's I think uh, the first thing is sort of having a wide eye. And I'll tell you what I mean, um, just sort of looking at across different disciplines, right? I've written about everything from lung cancer screening to sepsis machine learning, uh, to pick heart transplants, uh, to bladder cancer, surgery, recovery, right? Um, and there's benefits to having sort of this wide eye. You get to learn a, a lot about different fields and you get to draw implicit connections that make your insights more valuable, more tangible. I think there's also something to be said about just um, writing in a compelling narrative way, right? Um, I mean, as humans, we, we reach out for narratives, right? We, when there's narrative around us, we, we just it's instinctive. And I think it's this field of creative nonfiction that I think is really um, worth knowing about, worth emphasizing. Right? Creative nonfiction is the idea of using fiction techniques, right? So fiction techniques, what is that? Like setting a scene, right? Mm-hmm. Character building, right? Mm-hmm. Drama. -hmm. Um, And using that in a non-fiction sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, those are the things we cling to as humans, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're going to be writing about something as potentially archaic or as potentially, um, just intangible, like pig heart transplants, right? I mean, you and I, like, we have never seen a pig heart transplant. It's hard to even imagine that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but if you write about it in a way that's compelling and interesting and creative, Mm -hmm. right? You draw people in and you can teach them, uh, something or two about the science, something or two about the history, something or two about the ethics. Okay. That's good.
1: That's very good. So, yeah, um, how have you sought out found the right environment to be thought scientifically and intellectually? So, um, you're now at Harvard, you're at Harvard, studying for undergrad. How was the process to getting there? What, What Can you give us some insight into the story to getting there? What did you have to overcome? What did you have to do? What did you have to pursue? What did you have to not do? Right. Give a take.
6: The Harvard admissions process is its own black box, right? Of oh, yeah. So I, I don't have so much insight into what I did, especially to get in there. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's just like my philosophy to life is doing sort of putting hundred percent in everything you do, right? And uh-huh. how what does that mean, right? It means when I'm sort of doing this podcast with you, I'm gonna put a hundred percent of myself into it, right? Oh yes. uh, Sort of writing my art, an article for let's say Stat News. I'm gonna put a hundred percent into that. When mm-hmm. I'm with my friends. Right and just chatting over dinner. I'm gonna put myself hundred percent into that. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, all that is to say is that I think each of these things are personally meaningful to me, um, and I want to make the most of it. And I think sort of that's a generally um, potentially a good philosophy in life. At least I like to think so. Um, yes. And I think that perhaps that was why, right, that helped me get here. Uh, but I think more generally, it's just being willing to try new things. Right. Being willing mm-hmm. to experiment. Being willing to test oneself in different ways i mean journalism is the prime example of that right i if you told me 4 years ago right that or even frankly 2 years ago that i was going to be a journalist right um or i was going to at least um be writing for a popular press outlet i would not believe you i would have i would have la- in fact laughed at you right um not because i i think any less of journalism but because i couldn't imagine myself being t- uh, being able to do that right i just like oh,
1: yeah.
6: it was totally out of the realm of possibility um, but here I am today. And that was simply because I, I tried. And not everything you try is going to be successful. This is sort of the nice exception. Uh, but it teaches you something about yourself. It teaches you something about your interests.
1: Yeah, I agree. And this is the thing, the thing that I hear echoing like almost like an undertone that's kind of effervescing, if you will, from this conversation is the ability to be resilient. Yeah. yeah. Being resilient. And this is the thing, resilient, resiliency or the capacity to be resilient is almost like a toolkit, if you will. Because when you become or you gain the capacity to be resilient and you learn the strategies that you need to push through adversity, you carry that skill with you to the next situation or next accomplishment or next challenge. Yeah, dude, I completely, I could relate to you in, in in your, relate to your story in a lot of ways in that, you know, when I started undergrad, I didn't picture where I would be right now. I did not know. You know, the path to getting to where you are is, at least for me, it wasn't linear. It wasn't linear by any stretch of the imagination. But it's definitely, it's enjoyable when you see the fruits of your hard work. So what would you say has been one of your most effective and impactful pieces or ideas or practices or projects?
6: Yeah, it, it's a good question. And I think like uh, there's a couple of different answers I could give you. I could give you sort of the piece I wrote on Big Heart Transplants with The Guardian that has won uh, several awards. Mm-hmm. I could tell you sort of... Um, a piece I wrote on sepsis machine learning, right? That came after my grandfather died of sepsis and I wanted to find some way to uh, understand his condition and process it myself and that came through the article. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, But the one I'll tell you for now is sort of the articles I've written on obesity for Stat News. I, I sort of mentioned one earlier and I've written others on sort of what is sort of the future bariatric surgery, right? Which is weight, weight loss surgery, or as it's commonly known. I've written another one on sort of um, what my doctor's do given that these new weight loss drugs seem to have some uh, protection of the heart, they help protect the heart and uh, against cardiovascular uh, major cardiovascular events. Um, and I think the reason why those are so personally meaningful to me and I and I hope impactful is mm-hmm. that again we're sort of dealing with these enormous stigma against patients with obesity, right? Um, these people that are frankly, I mean, some of them who are just trying to find treatments, just trying to find dignity and respect in, in our society. Mm-hmm. And the power of journalism to me is not just in telling stories, right? Um, mm-hmm. We can tell stories in the campfire, right? And that's that's valuable, but it's not just in telling stories. It's in the opportunity to change culture. It's in the opportunity to shift policy. Um, I'll I'll give you a couple of examples of that, right? Mm-hmm. For example, I wrote a piece in um, March on smoking um, and sort of how this one town in the US mm-hmm. is banning anyone born after January 1st, 2000 from buying cigarettes in the town. Right, it's a it's a really interesting law, potentially a way to phase out grandfather out cigarettes. Um, mm. And just two or three days ago, uh, the United Kingdom R- Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced that they're going to implement a similar law in the country. Right, mm. um, i read written this piece um, in the Guardian, right, a, new, a major British newspaper. It's possible that one of his sort of cabinet members or uh, Prime Minister Sunak read it himself, and maybe that influences his decision. Mm. Um, so I think journalism is uh, there's two lessons from that anecdote. One is that. Um, a lot of journalism is a just throwing things out into the ether right um mm-hmm. i will never know frankly if prime minister sunak read my article right It's possible um nice maybe may meet him. um but that's not mean i so so um but <laughs> I, I think i don't need to know i think the uh, emphasis is i don't need to know right okay. i i've spread my information um in a wide audience and read by hundreds of thousands of people right uh-huh. and uh, i have faith that it will uh, influence policy and i've taken the steps to try to put it into the hands of policymakers, sending it, emailing it to uh, people in the UK, people in Australia, other people who are considering this law. So Mm -hmm. all that to say is that um, it's sort of the benefit of that one on one approach that a doctor might take, right, where you're able to really help a patient, you're really able to touch their life in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Um, And the benefit of the journalistic approach where maybe you won't have as sort of personal connection, right, or Mm -hmm. as, as sort of immediate of an impact, but you have much more scale. And I think you need to do both.
1: Wow, dude, this is very good. Very, very good. Like your, your persistence in that you, you email it directly to the people. That's good, man. This is good. Yeah, that's very good. So um, how do you maintain a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments? So what practices have you implemented as a student? You said you're a senior, right? Correct. Right? Senior. Yeah. So you're a senior at Harvard. Um, How do you maintain balance? How do you make time for the fun, um, the hard work, the future goals and still keep a smile? How do you how do you do all of that? Smile is <laughs> important. You can do all three and not have a smile. A smile true. is That's important.
6: <laughs> We're so oh, yeah. yeah, work hard, but have trouble being happy. Um, yeah, no, isn't maybe, that something? I think, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think it goes back to something I was saying earlier about that hundred percent, right? And I really try to bring hundred percent to everything I do, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't do it like. I mean, the, the obvious question is then simmer. When do you have time for yourself? And I think for me, the work that I do, um, I, I I deliberately selected it. I've deliberately Uh, chosen it because it energizes me it makes it's meaningful to me right in a way that um is hard to quantify right where other people might be um you know tired or exhausted by the work I I feel even more energy right (laughs) I'm doing some of these things right because Mm -hmm. I I think again it comes back to big and small right I have sort of a very clear understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what the purpose is Mm -hmm. um and that that is motivating now it It means that sometimes I have to make sort of sacrifice. I have to decide whether I'm going to do X or Y. I can't, I frankly can't do it all. But I don't, I don't try to propose, I don't propose that I can. Um, so the question then becomes is that things come in phases, right? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe today I won't be able to go play tennis with my friends because I have this um, re- paper revisions that are due tonight, right? Um, so it's toggling back and forth and giving yourself grace when you're not able to um, sort of do everything that you might want to do or uh, giving yourself grace when you might have to pull out something that you really wanted to do. Um, and I think mm-hmm. be, it's really about being hard on the problems, right? being hard on sort of the issues, right? Uh, but not being hard on yourself, right? Oh, wow. uh, I have to write that right? down. I'm going
1: We have to write that down,
6: Samal. <laughs> I'm gonna have to write
1: that down. And you keep going, keep going. This is good.
6: This is good. Yeah, I mean, I mean all that is to say is that I mean the work that I do is can be quite serious, right? We are dealing yeah. with people that are dying, frankly, people who are uh just don't feel safe in the healthcare system, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I try to keep a smile in my face and sort of be happy just more generally. Um, not because it's sort of a force or this like image in front portrait into the world, but because I I don't want to burn myself out, right? I'm dealing with people's stories, and I want to maintain them, right, in, with the respect they deserve, and sort of enjoy life when I'm not working on my work. I have to, I have to be enjoying life for what it is, right? Um, mm-hmm. And even enjoying the work that it comes, right? I'm dealing with serious things, but it, I'm also enjoying the opportunities that I have to spread an awareness about this, try to motivate policy change, try to motivate culture change. I think that's a large reason why I do journalism, because mm-hmm. it's a powerful way to change culture.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jack, I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, I'm all about giving people grace and giving yourself grace. Yeah. Uh, I, that that aligns with my faith perspective, faith perspective, and faith tradition. Right. But yeah, dude, this is the thing. You know, in in a similar way, that's the reason why I've done podcasting. And that's the reason why I've done like science communication. Even in some instances, written books and then made them completely free. So yeah, that I've written articles, literature reviews that took me very long times, a very long time, and then just made it completely free. Now, some may question, why make it free? You could charge. That's a different conversation for a different time. But the purpose of all of this has been towards changing the way people perceive chemistry education and chemistry concepts to make it more accessible, to make the career insights, the salient information from people like yourself, people like Dr. Langer, people like Dr. Emreanne Brown, people who are big players or who will be big players like yourself, in the science community, um, having them share their strategies and insights and methods of processing and methods of decision-making and methods of going through transitions in their careers and in their personal life so that other people can benefit from it. And of course, the, the metrics do reflect that it's progressively becoming uh, more and more received. But so how do you maintain teamwork and vision in your classroom and in your workspace, in your projects, um, are you? Do you have collaborators uh, often, or is this primarily the work that you do by yourself?
6: I mean, everything I do is a is, is a team is team effort, right? There's nothing I do that's on my own, right? I'll are tell you, are like, you
1: sure? You sure? You seem like you could do it yourself, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't
6: know, right? Every, everything comes down to a team, and I think. Oh my goodness. I think like sometimes you ask consumer, how do you do all that you do? I because I'm not doing it alone, right? I'm doing it as part of yes. a team. It takes the village, right? And yes. I mean, I'll give you a couple of quick examples, right. In every research paper, there's not a single research paper I've done where I have, I'm the sole author, right? Um, it's always as part of a team. I'm always leveraging other people's insights. I'm learning from them. Hopefully they're learning something from me as well, right? It's, it's a share dialogue. Um, on my journalism, right? Um, I might be the person that's listed on the by Simmer Bajaj, but really there's an editor who has been my sounding board, has been editing my piece, uh, thinking through the structure. They're my sources who have informed me. I mean, journalism is really, a uh, opportunity and humility, right? It's a class, it's a class in humility, because in every conversation I go to, I'm the least knowledgeable person in the room, right? Um, so it really teaches you how to um, learn and listen, right? Nice. And, and, and bring them into the conversation. It's a team effort. It's not just uh, the journalists writing about someone, it's a, a journalist writing with someone. Um, and I think that's sort of like, the, the teamwork is ultimately essential, because um, there's only so much I can do. There's only so much that I, I, want to do just to, with my expertise alone right there are unique synergies and unique opportunities to partner and make something that's bigger than uh the sum of its parts so i think all that is to say is that the teamwork comes in every aspect of my life and i, I couldn't be here with, without sort of like a village literally a village of people behind
1: me that's good the potentially aspect of collaboration or the synergistic aspect of collaboration that's that's very very good man that's very good in that you know um collaboration I, I, I like what you said. You said it's a class act in humility in that you are speaking with people who have a degree of expertise that you may not have at this time. And that's right. how, that's many times the case with these podcast interviews. Some right. of the times I've been exposed to some of the material, but these people have a niche expertise. Um, like you yourself, you have a niche expertise in the work that you do. So yeah, it's definitely a treat and an honor. So why did you choose chemistry and history of science? as well as global health and policy to focus on undergrad at Harvard? Why did you choose those?
6: So I started off at Harvard uh, studying history of science and global health and health policy. Um, I think history of science is fundamentally a history of, uh, I mean, it's a study of change, right? At a very mm-hmm. macro level, uh, seeing sort of how trends and um, have progressed over time, right? How knowledge is produced, right? I think that's a critical question as we consider how to spread knowledge. How, how is knowledge produced, right? Um, what are sort of the... Um, context in which it is produced shared distributed and I think ultimately this is not just the knowledge that comes to some science that we care about in the present. It's knowledge that exists in its own time in a whirlpool of its own context, like alchemy, for example. Alchemy, sort of, we've never been able to figure out how to make metals into gold, um, but it's produced such valuable chemistry, right? Um, Now, if you just study alchemy as the production of chemistry, you're missing out a large part of its context. You're missing out, sort of, um, the alchemy that was, sort of, that doesn't lead to chemistry, but isn't equally important for understanding its context. Um, So history of science was, sort of, my opportunity to understand how knowledge is produced and distributed which i think is incredibly important chemistry i added actually like um frankly this semester this year wow. right um we, i hope my because, podcast influenced you <laughs> i think I mean, i'm sure it did and you know i the reason why was i was talking to an advisor and he's like simmer you're secretly a chemistry major i told him, no 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 i'm history of science he said simmer you are two to three classes away from getting a degree in chemistry." And I was like, I was shocked and I, I found out I was secretly a chemistry major, so wow. decided to make it superficial. Um, but you know, the way I see chemistry is not that like, I don't claim to be a chemist, Um, and I, 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 I think that would be, uh, false, false of me to say. What I claim to be is sort of use it as a way of understanding science. Use it as a way, I like how you framed it at the beginning, sort of change, right? That's what chemistry yeah. ultimately is, right? It is electrons moving between orbitals, right? It is photons oh, yeah. coming out. Okay, it is, let's go to
1: town, let's go to town if we can talk about chemistry. Let's go to town. Right. Yeah. I
6: mean, it's change at the micro level in a way that complements very nicely the change that happens in history at the macro level, right? Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. teach me something profound that um, change sort of is frankly possible. The fact that things were so different in the past means that they can be so different in the future. It's, it's a message of hope, even as we face such serious issues as uh, inequity, as we face such serious issues as stigma.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there is a degree of determinism there. And also, at the same time, as we see with quantum phenomena, there's a degree of uh, indeterminacy, and in that just because it occurred in the past doesn't mean it'll necessarily be the case in the future. So, that, exactly. that, that, that in that indeterminacy, I would, I would say, in my opinion, there's a degree of possibility. So yeah. we, we don't know what the future will bring. So therefore, we can plan and push and persevere for an even better one. Yeah, dude, that's 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 um, Heisenberg. That's almost like we're rattling around Heisenberg's ideas. But anyway, that's a different conversation for a different time. So what has been um, some of the most beneficial advice you have received as we wrap up?
6: You know, I, I mean, it's interesting. And I, I've been so fortunate to have such great mentors, all of whom have given terrific advice. But the yeah. um, advice that I always think of is sort of a Shakira song, right? A Shakira oh, wow, song. you like Shakira. I, I I listen to everything, a little bit of everything. Um, nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Enjoy your life. <laughs> the, song, the song is Try Everything, right? And I okay. think this goes back to, I think, one of the themes of the, just our conversation, right? That you have to try everything because um not because you're going to do everything but because you need to sort of understand what you like what you don't like what you're good at what you're not good at and what sort of you might not be good at but you're willing to put in the effort because you really like it right um and sort of all that is to say is that again if i if i never sort of tried journalism i would have never realized that i love it and the other fact that i'm i'm semi-decent at it right um mm-hmm. and i think that i've tried a bunch of things i tried a uh, hundred different things right I, I always like to tell friends about stories where um freshman year at Harvard, um they have a club fair and I signed up for twenty different clubs, right? Um and I just actively attending all the clubs, right? Um and I mean most people would say that's crazy. I mean, and I do think that's crazy, I don't recommend it, <laughs> but I think it was important for me in the moment to understand what is valuable for me, what do I want, what do I like, what I don't like. And I think ultimately when you have sort of that opportunity to reflect, it it's powerful. Yeah dude, this is good.
1: So Sama, so, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Um I wish you all the best your studies. I look forward to seeing the nature and science papers and uh, who knows the Pulitzer Prize that you may win in the future. So take care and all
3: the best.
4: Welcome to the
0: New Chemist Podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Hot, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Our Deepest Fear By Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us We were born to make manifest the glory of god that is within us it's not just in some of us it's in everyone and as we our own light shine we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we're liberated from our own fear our presence automatically Liberates others. I'll be fair by Mary Williams. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant
0: Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcast Team Group. Votre écoute est significative.
2: Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuche Mist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando
3: es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo é significativo.
4: Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό.
5: Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. Je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert is veel betekenend.
1: You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist podcast.
2: Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico.
4: To podcast to New Chemist.
5: Welcome by the podcast van die New Chemist.
0: Bienvenue Sur le Podcast du Nouveau Chimiste.
3: Ben Vindo al Podcast du Novo Quimico.
1: Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it.
3: Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista.
4: Δουλεψε σκληρά. Να οδηγείτες την αξία. Μπορείς να Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατάς.
2: Τραβάχα δύρο. Σε αυμπουλσάδο πωρ' valor Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas, estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas.
5: Work hard. Wees waarde
1: research and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.